Well, we give a warm welcome to everybody to our service this evening, and we pray that the Lord's blessing would be upon us. We pray for those who are on Zoom watching with us, and uh, we commend all to God's care and keeping. We're going to begin our service this evening by singing the words of Psalm 24, the first verse of the psalm, singing verses 1 through to verse 6. Psalm 24 The earth belongs unto the Lord and all that it contains the world that is inhabited and all that there remains for the foundations thereof he and the seas did lay and he hath it established upon the floods to stay we shall sing on to the end of the verse March 6 the earth belongs unto the Lord. join together in prayer. Let us pray. <coughs> Almighty and ever-blessed God, we do thank Thee that a further opportunity has been given to us 
to come before thee at the close of thine own holy day, to come as a company of thy people, to worship thee, to lift up our voices in praise and of adoration of thee, knowing that thou art our God besides whom there is none else. Thou art King of kings and Lord of lords, and to whom else can we turn? But unto thee alone, for thou hast the words of eternal life. In our coming before thee, we pray that thou wouldst give us a spirit of humility and contrition of heart, and that we would confess before thee a thrice holy God our many failings and our shortcomings. Thou dost know us each one. Thou dost know the thoughts of our hearts and the intents of our hearts. Thou dost know our weaknesses and our failings, and through thy word and testimony thou art showing us continually the need that we have to always be closing in with thyself, seeking thy grace and thy favour, calling upon thee continually that thou would show mercy toward us and deliver us from all that is presumptuous in our lives. For so often we present ourselves as those who think we know more than what we do. But Lord, thou dost know. And we pray that thou wouldst help us to turn aside from everything that shows ourselves to be weak and failing, frail, showing ourselves to be eh, those who are not worthy of thy name upon our lips. But blessed be thy name. Thou didst not turn away from us. Thou hast given unto us the words of eternal life. Thou hast shown us the way. Thou hast given us direction. And we pray that thou hast help us to walk in the way that, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. As we gather before thee this evening, we pray that thou hast remember the congregation as a whole. We pray that thou wouldst be a blessing upon all the families and all who are near and dear to us in this part of thy vineyard. We pray for those who are not able to be with us because of various providences, some who are aged and infirm, some who are going through difficult times, and those, O Lord, who are recovering from illnesses. We pray for each and every one. Thou dost know them all. We pray especially for Ian's wife and for Roderick's wife. We pray for them and others also, Lord, who know the hand of God upon them in blessing as well as in difficulties. We thank Thee that Thou hast shown us a better way in the way of this world and we pray that we would find ourselves always on the road that leads to life everlasting we would commend to thee not just the general congregation but we pray O oh Lord for the young people rising up in a day of many trials and difficulties many temptations we pray that thou would keep them in the hollow of thine hand and give them the grace, O Lord, even in their youth, to overcome the evil one, the one who is so besetting around us. We ask of thee too, O Lord, that thou wouldst remember the communities that we serve in thy name. We do thank thee for the opportunities that are afforded to the congregation through the preaching of thy word by thy servant, our pastor, and also by the witness and the testimony of thy people here. Lord, we do thank Thee that Thou hast given us such opportunities and privileges. We pray that the many in this community who still are in darkness and in unbelief, that Thou wouldst bring them to the light and to the liberty of the Gospel. And we pray that all of us who name the name of Jesus, that we would be found strengthened and encouraged in our most holy faith believing that thou art the rewarder of those who would diligently seek thee. May thy blessing then rest upon all that is done to advance thy kingdom amongst old and young alike. 
We pray, O Lord, for the work amongst the young people of the community, the fellowship, and we commend it to Thee. O Lord, we thank Thee then that we would come and we can lay out all before Thee in the midst of trial and tribulation and difficulties. But we have this assurance that Thou art King of kings and Lord of lords. So continue with us, we pray Thee. And do thou undertake for us. Take away all offence loving us in Jesus. For we ask it in his name. Amen. I'd like us to read in the Old Testament, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, and chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and reading at the beginning of the chapter. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The the uneven ground shall be made become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good good news, lift up your voice with strength, and Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like drops from a bucket and are counted as the dust on on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman's cast, it is a go it sorry, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He scare he <clears throat> he seeks out a skilful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know, do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, 
and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out to the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing, and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my my right, sorry, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen, and may God bless to us that reading of his word, and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 113. Again, it's in the traditional version of the psalm, Psalm 113. And we're going to sing from the beginning to to verse 9. Praise God, ye servants of the Lord. <clears throat> oh, praise the Lord's name, praise. Yea, blessed be the name of God from this time forth always. From rising sun to where it sets, God's name is to be praised. Above all nations, God is high. Above heavens, his glory raised. So on to the end of verse 9. Praise God, ye servants of the Lord.
Our New Testament reading is taken from Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians, and chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, reading verses 1 through to verse 12. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the disgraceful under, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the, the surpassing power that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Amen. And may God bless to us that further reading of his word. To his name be all the praise. Shall we join together in the word of prayer? Let us pray. We would ask of thee, O Lord, that what we have read and the testimony of thy word would be a blessing to our souls. We pray that the light of truth would affix our minds and our hearts upon those things which are eternal and spiritual. We are confronted every day with so many issues that perplex us and cause us maybe to be cast down and dispirited, overwhelmed by the onslaught of the evil one in so many corners of our lives and in our experience. The day and generation in which we live speaks so clearly of how far we have gone as a people, as a generation, from the God of grace and of mercy. And yet we know that there is nothing new under the sun. What is happening at this time throughout the world is no different to what has been happening since the day of the fall of man. Sin has had its activity in the lives of each and every one of us. Our day and generation is not separated from that fact. O oh Lord, it is to our shame that our day and generation has refused to accept the overtures of thy love in the way that it should have done. We ask of thee, O oh Lord, that thou wouldst grant hearing ears and understanding hearts, that thou wouldst break down the barriers of the evil one, those things that are perpetrated in the name of mankind that are an offence to thee and a great evil done to people throughout this world. We are confronted constantly with the Ukrainian situation and Lord it is very difficult for us to understand all that is taking place in that part of this world. 
The world that thou didst create, and the world that thou didst hold in the hollow of thine hand, and yet a world that is beset by sin and its consequences. O Lord, we pray that thou wouldst break the power of the evil one that's evident in the lives of so many people, and especially upon ourselves. We ask, O Lord, that we might learn something from what is taking place in our day and generation. We pray that thou, O Lord, would pull down the barriers and the open activity of the evil one. He is rampant. Lord, we pray that thou would show mercy. We pray for the Ukrainians who are suffering so abysmally. But just not, not just the Ukrainians, but many other peoples throughout the world where there is hatred, where there is warfare, where there is so much evidence of man's inhumanity to man. We know that from what thy word teaches us, the only hope that we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a hope. Lord, we pray that we will not lose sight of the wondrous story, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in all its power. And whatever might be evident to our hearing and our understanding and to our eyes in the world of this present time, help us not to lose sight that thou art the God who art in control, thou dost sit upon the circle of the earth, thou art doing thy will, and, O oh Lord, we pray that we might submit humbly and meekly to it all. We pray thy blessing upon our own nation, a nation that has been the evidence of the gospel power in past generations. And, Lord, we know that today, at this, even at this moment in time, our nation is falling foul of the power of the evil one. There is so much madness in the world and in our own generation and in our own nation. There is so much that smacks of pride and arrogancy. There is so much unbelief. Lord, we plead with thee that thou wouldst come in the day of thy power. Raise up those, O Lord, who would legislate and govern wisely. We pray that many hearts in government, whether it be in Edinburgh or whether it be in London or in Wales or Northern Ireland, we pray that Thou, O Lord, would turn the hearts of men and of women and that they might be receptive to the word of truth. Because if they are not, woe betide us. We plead for mercy. We pray for Thy grace to abound into the hearts of many. So as we turn to thy word in a moment, we pray that thou wouldst be a blessing upon it to us, that we would receive it as a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Take away all offense, loving us in Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing in Psalm 29. Again, it's in the traditional version of the Psalm. Psalm 29. And we're going to sing verses 1 through to verse 5. <clears throat> Give ye unto the Lord, ye sons of, that of the mighty be, all strength and glory to the Lord, with cheerfulness give ye. Unto the Lord the glory give that to his name is due, and in the beauty of holiness unto Jehovah bow. And so on to the end of the verse, Mark 5, give ye unto the Lord, ye sons. Oh. 
turn together to the words that we read in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 40 and reading again at verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Have you not known? I want to go back just for a moment or two to the beginning of the chapter, which is a reminder to us of the very nature of God Himself as He addresses the prophet in this way, calling upon His prophet to bring a message of comfort and a message of hope. It's not that that message of comfort or hope hadn't been there. It had always been there from the very beginning, even from the fall. You remember that great message that was spoken of after Adam and Eve had sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God made this promise that the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And Israel has come a long way up to this very point. And much of what was prophetically foretold of her, she received and experienced. Much of it was certainly not very pleasant. We cannot say for one moment that Israel had, or the people of God had, a free way, as it were, throughout life. But all of that, of course, was a, is a result of her own sinfulness, her disobedience against God. And it is something that we find for ourselves. And there is no doubt that down through the generations that the people of God suffered at the hand of God, exercising his righteous judgment against them for their wickedness. And in the earlier part of this prophecy, all that is unfolded, but not just there, but throughout the whole of the prophetic utterance against Israel and the way that she was going about it. It wasn't that Israel had now declined from going away from God. She was still as bad as ever. But remember, God is a merciful God. And each and every one of us here that believes in Christ knows the mercy of God. We know that were it not for the mercy of God, we would have been consumed. That is true. We would be found even now in a lost eternity. But every soul that has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ knows what it is to experience freedom. Not necessarily a physical freedom, although that might be the experience of us, but especially the spiritual freedom. Freedom from the bondage and the corruption of sin. Every one of us can dovetail into that expression. For we know fine that we have come short of the glory at every turn. But remember the God that we are dealing with here is a God who is infinite in mercy. He's slow to anger and plenteous in redemption. Time and time again, we hear that ringing in our ears, even through the singing of the words of the Psalms, 
that speaks so clearly and eloquently of the merciful hand of God. When Isaiah has been called upon here to comfort the people, it's not that God has no issue with them, no more than we can say that God has no issue with us. He has with all of us. If everybody knew what your heart was like and mine, what our thoughts and the intents of our hearts were like, we would know only too well that the God in whom we live and move and have our being is a God of grace and of mercy. And the other thing, too, that the introduction to this chapter calls upon regarding the very nature of God, not just that he is wanting to comfort Israel, but he wants it to be done in a very tender way. I think that's very important for us all, that as we witness and testify to the grace of God, the aspect of our character that should be uppermost is that we are compassionate. And the reason why we should be compassionate is because we know that what we have been delivered from and what we have received is way and above our deserving. But God is wanting Israel to know as he speaks forth here regarding the great messianic hope because that's what he is doing. All the chapters that are here from now on through to the end of the prophecy is all about the great messianic hope. And I hope too that you and I can be assured of that. And especially when we are going through troubled times. I'm sure many of us because of what is taking place in places like Ukraine and other places as well where the Christian community are being hounded and imprisoned and being beaten and some even killed. And I'm sure we are all saying to ourselves, when will it end? In fact, there may be a tendency for us to want to blame God I think that is the case. You know, we're, we say, when is this going to end? As much as to say, God, can you not do something about it? Of course he could. He could bring an end to what is taking place in the Ukraine, even with one swipe. He could do it. But his ways are past finding out. We cannot argue with God's providential dealings with us as individuals or as a nation. But what we can do is bring a degree of comfort as we have known it ourselves, as what has been uttered for us here. Speak to Jerusalem tenderly. Tell her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Now that is something that every one of us here who names the name of Jesus can understand so clearly. Tell the people that the warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. How much do we hold on to that truth? How much does it, as it were, enliven our spiritual walk and conversation? How much does that truth really hone in in our own experience and our own, our own realization of what is taking place? As I said, we don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. But what God is doing through this chapter is telling us to trust him. He has a purpose, he has a plan, and it will be fulfilled completely. And it's what this passage is all about, pointing us toward the great messianic hope. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Is the truth fading away from our thinking? Have we lost sight of the principles that have been uttered to us in the word and in the testimony itself. 
in these words at the end of the chapter that I want to hone in on for a moment or two, we have there what can be classified, I am sure, is this. That if we were listening spiritually, if we were found exercising that faith that God has given to us as a great gift, then we should have nothing to fear, not a thing. But of course we are human, and with all the spirituality exercised within us, we still fall short of an understanding of what it means to believe and to trust in God. God had those to whom he was addressing why, he says in the previous verse, verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? It's almost as though here Isaiah is being told to tell these people, You know, your conclusion of the matter, of the whole of God's providential dealings with mankind, from the Alpha to the Omega, is surely this, that God is in control. He's not a weakling, but as somebody else has said, he's not gone on holiday. He is in control of every single thing, even down to the last blade of grass. He is in control. After all, he's the creator of all the ends of the earth. He is the sustainer of all that he created and brought into being. And yes, he knows the devastation that sin has caused upon mankind. And yet, our response in the thick and in the midst of trouble and tribulation is to say, Does God not care? We heard recently of what Jesus was confronted with in the boat and the storm. And how, you remember, on that occasion, things were becoming tempestuous for the disciples. And all they could think about was this. Do you not care that we are perishing? And that is what mankind has done. Even men of faith, men who have followed the Lord Jesus, men who have tried to follow God down through the generations, there is still this weakness that we do not trust him as we should. That exercise of faith, however it might be used in the commonality of our everyday living and working, it doesn't always work in our relationship with God and what God is doing in and for us and through us. Not just for his own people, because at the beginning of the chapter, God, through Isaiah, is addressing Jerusalem. But he widens that out to the whole of creation. And the promise of the hope that is found in God himself is looking forward to that day when the great deliverance will come. I think very often, and I heard this recently, that we do have a problem. And our problem is that we love to moan and we love to groan. But this preacher suggested that maybe the moaning and the groaning that goes on may be a sign, I don't know, but maybe it's a sign of a revival that's going to come. It's not the first time in the history of the Lord's people that the, Lord has, that the Lord's people have not been found moaning and complaining. That was part of the judgment that God has set upon Israel because she was moaning and complaining all through the years as she was in the wilderness before she ended up in the land of promise. Does God disregard us? No, he doesn't. Has he gone on holiday? No, he hasn't. He knows everything. And he knows exactly where you and I are at this very moment, whether we are trusting in him implicitly. Now, I'm not trying in any way to undermine 
your faith and the exercise of it as you find yourselves dealing with God and his dealing with you in your life. But from experience, I know how easy it is to fall foul of the hand of the evil one trying to persuade you there is no time, no point in listening to him. Well, God reminds us. And it's a pity he has to remind us that he was doing that all the way through. Again, we've heard it recently too with regard to his disciples. You know, whatever they were thinking of that storm and what was happening to the boat... All that they could consider was that he didn't care, that Jesus didn't care. Well, God does care, but that we know. And we ought to be able to say, yes, we do know. Listen to what he says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It makes you think that in a spiritual sense we are very small-minded or at the very least we have lost sight of what God has already done for us in setting us free and liberating us from the bondage and the corruption of sin. Our God is not a small God. We might think of the powers of this world and the enemies of the Lord's people in this world as they seek to destroy and maim the cause of Christ. We may see the powers of this world, the great nations of this world, as lifting themselves up with pride like peacocks, thinking to themselves that they are in control. But they are not. They are nothing. A drop in a bucket in comparison to the greatness and the majesty and the might and the power of God. Who dare fit themselves or pit themselves against the God of grace and of mercy? Who dare do that? Have we done it? Would we ask that of ourselves? Have we done that ourselves? Would we like to challenge God? Or are we challenging him even now, thinking of whatever providences he has laid upon your own life or your own family or anybody you know? God not caring? There is none who cares so much, not just for you and me and individ as individuals, but for the whole of the world, the world that he created. And what he has begun, we know that from what the Apostle says he will perform it right to the very end. Now it is an offence to God for you and I to come short of an understanding and an appreciation of what God has already said. Even Jesus, you remember in that great intercessory prayer, he said something that ought to ring true for us always. Whenever we may be cast down or dispirited, whenever we think that things are not what we would want them to be in our lives' experience. Jesus, you remember, said in that great intercessory prayer, he said, keep them. His concern for his people was that God would keep them. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for those whom thou hast given to me out of the world. For all thine are mine. He doesn't care. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not heard about the everlasting God, the creator of all the ends of the earth? He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I know it might be a simplistic way of putting it, but I think, you know, if only we could grasp what this sentence in itself is saying, 
as he says here, his understanding is unsearchable. You might think that you are a nothing. And yet the word of God tells us that a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without our Heavenly Father knowing about it. Not only that, but he knows in the hairs on our head had the number of them. His ways are unsearchable. His understanding is unsearchable. And however small you think yourself to be, remember, you have a great God. And if only we could grasp that and lay it to heart. He gives power, he says, to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Now there are plenty of people like that. And I'm sure throughout this sin-stained world at this very present time, there are people who are fainting spiritually. I don't know what like it must be for those believers in Ukraine or any other part of this world that is so sick with its hatred of the Christian community. It would be very easy for us to faint. In fact, I think that that's what was wrong with the disciples half the time. Even in Gethsemane, when they couldn't stay awake, Jesus called them three times to be awake and to pray. But they couldn't. They were weary. Oh, maybe they were physically weary as well. But are we weary with regard to our understanding of God's ability He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Lo, I do stretch my hands, says the psalmist, to thee my help alone. For thou will understand all my complaint and moan. Is that a prayer that would be very readily upon our lips as we seek God's grace and God's help to enable us to overcome, yes, our unbelief? Like the man who said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Again, we know all about that characteristic in our own lives. Because we do live in unbelief so often. He gives power to the faint. It's not within ourselves. That was Israel's problem. That was the disciples' problem. I'm sure the disciples, many of them were seafarers. They thought they could control the sea and so on, but they couldn't. They found their match. And it was only Christ who could help them. He stilled the storm. It all became a calm. And yes, their expression was this. You know, who can do something like that? like this it's not an ordinary man it is the power of God that we have he gives power to the faint and to those to him who has no might he increases strength you often think of that when I think of the apostle Paul in the time when he was imprisoned for his faith himself Paul and Barnabas They are imprisoned. Why? Because they loved Jesus. But the fact that they were put in that kind of position, was it going to deter them from exercising their faith in the living and the true God? After all, was it not for the Apostle Paul himself who would understand exactly what Isaiah has been called upon to do Comfort, comfort. I wonder what kind of comfort came upon, for example, the Philippian jailer as a result of the testimony of Paul and Barnabas. I wonder. He gives power to the faint. It's not that Paul was superhuman. Not at all. Far from it. But he knew as he called upon Jesus when he had that thorn in the flesh 
if he would take it from him. And he learned that lesson from Jesus himself. My grace, he said, is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Isaiah here and calling out to the people to be encouraged by the God who had brought Israel to this particular state of their experience and whatever was going to be before them. And we know what was coming before them. It was Babylon. And you would almost say, was this not a bit hard? You're sending comfort to us and yet you're going to put us into captivity. God wasn't finished with his judgment against Israel for their disobedience. But neither did he want them to think that he was so harsh that there was no mercy left in him. Even for the young people, the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall, exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall not walk and not faint. What a picture of the God of all grace lifting up his people through every circumstance of life's journey, whatever that may be. And all that you and I can hope for this evening, surely for our brothers and sisters who suffer for the cause of Christ. That they can, speak, they can speak of being undergirded by the power of God. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak comfortably, speak gently to them. Tell them that everything has been accomplished. The warfare has been accomplished. The enemy of our souls does not have the last word and one thing is sure what God has done and promised and said he will perform it but we must and this is the rub this is the real problem we sing about waiting upon God but do we do that it's fine It's sublime at times when you and I can lift up our voices in adoration of God and we can say, I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. Many's a time it was Israel's experience that she cried unto God and he heard And he delivered. But let's not leave it in history. Let us take it to our own present circumstance. And say that God is rich in mercy. He is favorable toward us. And he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Why? Because he said so. That's what his word and testimony is. So let nothing that is found in your experience of mine detract us from the goodness and the mercy of our God. Shall we pray? O Lord, we pray for thy strengthening influence upon us that we might be found exercising faith in the living and the true God, the one who brought this world into being, the one who sustains it and the one who has provided redemption and salvation in and through the Son of his love. O Lord, we pray that whatever mist comes over us, whatever troubles us, whatever sorrows we do have, Lord, we pray that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ would shine forth into our hearts. Continue with us then, O Lord, we pray thee, undertaking for us, forgiving all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen.
We're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 68. Psalm 68. And it's the traditional version again. And we're going to sing from verse 7 to verse 10. Psalm 68 at verse 7. O God, what time thou didst go forth before thy people's face, and when through the great wilderness thy glorious marching was, then at God's presence shook the earth, then drops from heaven fell, the Sinai shook before the Lord, the God of Israel. And so on to the end of the verse, Mark 10, from verse 7. O God, what time thou didst go forth. of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you and with all whom you love both now and always Amen